Hi, and welcome to Macrina's Key, the podcast where we talk about theology for every single season of life. I'm your host, Sarah Evans. Every fortnight, we discuss systematic theology in bite-sized portions. And along the way, we're learning to see and know God in every season of life, whether we're in the spotlight, on the edge, or being faithful in the mundane. I'm so excited to have you with us. Let's get started. Friends, this is not what I originally intended to post as my next episode, but like many of you, as I looked out this week and especially this weekend over the things that have been taking place in the world and some of the conversations I've had, I grew to think that an episode like this might be kind of necessary for us at this moment. I mentioned last week that one of the questions that guides our theology should be how something is shaped by the gospel message the good news of what Christ has done and what he is continuing to do on our behalf. And I said that that should be a guiding question for what we are doing in theology as we study and come to know more deeply who God is and what our charge is as Christians in light of who God is. That's kind of what I want to talk about today. Looking at the world, I felt almost compelled to talk about something other than the specifics of theology and doctrine. I wanted to bring it back down to earth and to remind us why this stuff matters. I had a professor in seminary who would often say that if our theology doesn't work at the margins of life, then it isn't good theology. And I think looking around, we see a lot of marginal spaces, a lot of spaces that are cramped and difficult, that are um, on the edge, teetering as it were. And if our theology can't function well in that kind of a space, then it's not good theology. You know, in some ways, I feel probably like many of you, almost overwhelmed with sorrow at what is happening in the world just now. I read a statistic this morning that 5 million children have been left without one of their primary parents or caregivers due to COVID. That's 5 million children across the world in two years who have been left without one of their primary adult support people. On top of that, we're watching the invasion of a sovereign country in what is really the latest stage of a long historical battle between people who've been at odds for centuries. And sometimes I think when we look at these things, it just seems like the world is really coming apart at the seams, doesn't it? And then there are things that are closer to home even. This morning, I was chatting with a friend who expressed frustration over the amount of division among some of her friends and family members on various issues right now. That might not be true where you are at, but I know I have seen some intense separation and division in our city and even among some of our friends and family members. And there are difficult conversations that people are struggling to have. It's been really hard, I think, in the past couple of years to find space for nuanced and honest conversations that are honest and yet respect one another's dignity as human beings. At least, I am seeing that to be the case, and I I suspect I am not alone in that. I think, if we're honest, 
we want to blame a lot of this kind of division on something outside of ourselves, right? We want to blame it on social media or something along those lines. And maybe there's something to that. Things like cyberbullying and trolling have certainly escalated. But you know, the course I'm teaching right now is covering the Reformation at the moment, a series of events that took place 500 years ago, long before the advent of social media. And yet, there was a lot of name-calling, mudslinging, and a lot of unchristlike dialogue taking place in those discussions on both sides of the spectrum. I think, if we're honest, this is just a struggle of being human. It's a struggle of living in community as sinful beings. We often talk about our vertical relationship in salvation, right? We talk about the part of salvation that is being saved into a relationship with God. That's the vertical aspect. And sometimes we forget that we are also saved and reconciled to one another. Our relationships with other human beings are also wrecked by the fall, just like our relationship with God is marred and distorted by the fall. We see this kind of damage in Adam and Eve as they blame one another in the Genesis account. And we see it become more fully violent in their children who will fight to the death, right? When Cain kills Abel. Our relationships are difficult things and they are in great need of restoration through the power of Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Our salvation isn't just about our relationship with God, it is also about our relationship with one another. And we don't want to end there with this kind of hanging query of this need for reconciliation. I'm saving a fuller episode for our next time together, but the topic in that next episode is the Trinity. And that's a huge doctrine, this idea that God can be both three and one. It might seem really abstract to us, and yet it applies to this question. It applies to us today as we survey a world that is suffering and broken, and we consider us little folk caught in the midst of it all. I already mentioned that when we experience salvation, our relationship with God is restored. Our relationship with others is similarly changed. In the church, we are invited to be jointly discipled towards rightly ordered worship of God. The church, in fact, is an image of the new humanity, and together we are a picture of what will be in the resurrection when the world is restored and all things are reconciled to their original purpose in God. It's true. The church is a pretty imperfect image, right? We all know this based on our experiences because we all struggle with varying sins. We're on our way to perfection. We haven't yet arrived there. The Trinity, on the other hand, is perfection. And in our walk with Christ, nurtured by the community of the church, we are invited to contemplate the Trinity's perfection and be formed towards that kind of perfection. We can almost think of the church as like a training ground for this, a place where we are learning to mutually submit to one another, as do the members of the Trinity, learning to grow in selfless love and service towards each other, again, as do the members of the Trinity, and especially growing in our unity as believers, as we together worship the one true God, and that becomes our primary identity, the thing which unites us across nations, across ethnicities, across political divides. 
When we look out at those beyond the walls of the church, we had the chance to bring an invitation to those people to join this miraculous community. It's a miraculous community not based on anything in us, right? I already said that we're quite imperfect, and we know that if we look honestly at ourselves and at those around us in our churches. Instead, the church is miraculous in that God continues to shepherd us, and He remains faithful to us despite our ongoing failures. It's miraculous in the fact that we know the end of our communion together will be communion with God, and that that is brought about by grace alone. And it's miraculous and that we are promised to share as the bride of Christ, as the entire church, in the fellowship of God. I think that these promises, our community, our communion with God will be one of everlasting glorious pleasure and our communion with one another will be completely restored at the end of days. These are the kinds of things which have to guide our interactions today. We know we can be loving and gracious to one another because God has been loving and gracious to us. We know we can cover an offense with love because God has covered us with His love. We know we can fight for the honor and dignity and good of the other, because God has preserved our dignity, and He works for our good in all things. Whether that other is someone in our church or neighborhood or across the world, this is what it means to have the ministry of reconciliation. We have been saved into this beautiful community and fellowship, restored to right relationship with God and with others. And as we pursue our sanctification and growth in reconciliation, we can also offer these same gifts to the world around us. So that, that's really where I want to leave you today. Salvation is a gift to participate in the divine life of the Trinity and to be brought into the fellowship of the church, which is together participating in God's life. If you have received that gift, then the question now is, what are the things you can do to offer life and fellowship to those in your community? How can you bring dignity and love and honor to those around you and to those on the other side of whatever issue might seem to separate you? How can you bring dignity and love to the wounded and the oppressed and the needy? Where can we invite others in to the table of fellowship that we have in Christ. That's really it for now, my friends. I'm looking forward to being with you for a bit more detail on the Trinity before too long. But as I'm closing, I'd really like to offer this prayer that is generally attributed to St. Francis. Um, And the translation I'll be reading is out of the Book of Common Prayer of 1979, which is an Anglican prayer book. But I think it really captures the spirit of where the church needs to be today um, for a variety of situations and issues and things that we cannot resolve on our own, but where we are trusting God to resolve them and then asking what our part is to play. So let's pray. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. 
Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, and to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll see you next time.